0: Hi, I'm Coach Ricky Ronnie, and you're listening to The Monarchist.
1: I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to The Monarchist Podcast. Today, we welcome Alex Johnson, co-host of the Black and Gold Podcast. AJ is an alum that is passionate about all things Appalachian State. With more than 400 podcast episodes, you won't find a more passionate crew. AJ, welcome to
0: the world's best and only ODU podcast. Hey, hey guys, I appreciate it. I, man, I hate doing this, but I do have to offer a correction. Appalachian? Yeah, I, ha- I have to offer correction.
2: Appalachian. Appalachian.
1: Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Hey, this is part about educating us and our fans. <laughs> so I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, no, it's – no, I, and again, I'm not going to be – it. there's some people they get really, really hurt about it, and probably me about 10 years ago, I would have just been all in arms. I can't – but – Appalachian. It's Appalachian. But I appreciate it. No, I am happy to be here, guys. I,
2: I really appreciate the invites. All right, AJ, thanks again for joining us. App moved up to FBS in 2014 after an incredibly successful run in FCS. That success has continued under Scott Satterfield, Eli Drinkwitz, and now Sean Clark. What would you credit the most to the success the program has managed to sustain no matter who is coaching? Oh,
0: wow, man. It really is. This is such a cliche answer, but it, I, I think it's true. It is the culture. It is the foundation that has been laid for the last 40 years. And that's not an exaggeration that has been slowly building. And then with each passing era, it is built upon itself. Mac Brown coming Tap State 1983. A lot of people still in Boone that actually were around Mac Brown when he when he was up there. A highly energetic, you know, innovative coach. He raised the bar. He said, no, we got to get better funding. We need workout equipment. He hired a strength coach, like all of these things. He raised the bar. And then Sparky Woods, his replacement. He ran that program to have some really amazing teams there in the late 80s. Then Coach Moore comes in and he fosters a more of a family-oriented, it's about people. That was Coach Moore's last coaching stop. He had had some unsuccessful tenures at other places, but he created kind of a family. It's, it's all about people. That's a famous Coach Moore, Coach Jerry Moore phrase that Coach Satterfield was part of. And so you, you lay these foundations and you see success at each era that the fans had kind of carried over generations, but with a high standard. So here comes Coach Satterfield. He was part of that culture. He was part of those Coach Moore staffs and he played for Coach Moore. He elevated it and, and really, and Coach Drinkwitz probably unfairly got a lot of criticism because he took this really stacked roster with a bunch of NFL talent and went 13 and one. And we were two minutes away from playing in the Cotton Bowl that year, which is really a heartbreaker. But I think it's the culture that's been built that isn't to say we don't have down years we're having a down year this year but without that culture and that standard being placed where it is we don't have this cross i don't know across coaching success. So we don't have that consistent success without it
1: all right so this is year three for sean clark he's won nine ten and now five games what's the fan base's impression of clark as the program's leader
0: yeah oh, man. <laughs> Ooh, that that is such a that is such a divided like they you are either a listen, we're having a down year. Coach Clark has earned the right to try to prove can he bounce back from from this. Uh, that's that camp, camp A. And then camp B is wrong. They're the ones that say fire him. This is a total waste. Get him out of here. He's a loser. And that um those that is a that is a camp A, camp B situation. There are very few people that are waffling. <laughs> In, in between and from a from a pure business perspective and like just because college athletics as you guys both know you guys have a college athletics podcast the economics and the business decisions made in college sports is ridiculous i mean it's just absolutely bonkers i'm not talking to two guys that are in accounting and, and bookkeeping i mean it's just just stupid the waste of, in in decision making in college sports you you one can make an argument that a lot of things have happened over the last five years that have kind of led to expecting a down year or a flat year or an underperforming year, COVID, coaching turnover, not just head coaches, but a lot of our staff, we've had five offensive coordinators in five years, are really, app a recruit, a particular kind of player, not being able to do that for a year on the road, meeting these kids, that, that, was, that played a huge factor. So we had Caden Smith on who played at App State. He came to campus in 2016 and played his COVID year last year we had him on the show last night and he said it really well he said it's like death by a thousand cuts this year it's it's not one thing it's a lot of things that have kind of culminated in this underperforming underwhelming year and it's frustrated a lot of people i'm a very pro coach clark person because i, I believe that he can i believe he can right the ship and and strengthen our program again i think a lot of the things that are happening are not his fault some are just to be fair so he's in charge, man. I mean, he's he's the guy. Like, it falls on him, right? But as far as, like, wholesale doing another roll of the dice to see who could maybe do a better job, I think it's a bad decision. So I think I think Coach Clark has done a good job. I think this has been an underwhelming year. But I'm really excited to see what changes are made in the offseason going into uh, next year.
2: So speaking of this season, you guys set the world on fire going into College Station, knocking off Texas a and Huge win for the Sun Belt. Huge win for App. You end up hosting College Game Day. Can you talk to us a little bit about that win and how the fan base has reacted and what's happened since? Wow. good question.
0: No, but. no, 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 no. It's just taking me back to that. I don't think. I mean, like, I've watched App. I've watched a lot of App State football. I've, I've been to a lot of games. You know, and I can't think of a more. And, and usually, honestly, like ball season, like now, like November. Going into December is usually like the whirlwind for at fans for me. Like it's we're winding down, we're gonna play a championship game, and what bowl are we gonna to travel to, making travel plans? But dude, September was an absolute roller coaster of emotions, of just energy spent. Like you guys probably remember, it was the day you guys beat Virginia Tech. I remember watching the end of that game, coming home from that Carolina game. We had the most roller coaster, wild, heartbreaking finish in Boone, confusing finish. Like, how how do we score 40 points in a quarter? game, and then right after that, Texas A&M, right after that, college game day, Hail Mary. Uh, I've never experienced anything like it, I mean, to tell you the truth. And we, We've experienced a lot of highs, a lot of lows, more highs than lows, but that was just a wild month. No app fans should have been surprised about Texas A&M. We controlled the line of scrimmage, punched them in the mouth, played with an edge, played as a unit, did a really great job keeping their offense off the field so that they couldn't get any rhythm so whatsoever. They, they had a bad quarterback situation, but we did a great job of keeping our offensive line, our offense on the field, controlled the clock. If you look at the stats in that game, it's pretty unreal from time of possession. No at fans should have been confused by that no, or, or surprised by that. But I will say looking at college game day, I mean, not college game day necessarily, but that old Dominion game, not old Dominion, what's it? At? James Madison. I'm going to get a bunch of hate mail from those crazy JMU people now, by the way. They're just going to absolutely – lose their minds because they even feel slightly slighted some inconsistencies were peeking through that really kind of made us nervous and from that point in that JMU game we have not been the same and it's been very confusing and frustrating since
1: all right so Chase Bryce is the star of the show he makes the offense home can you talk to us about what makes him so difficult to stop on offense
0: number one man he, he actually is a big person so he's six foot two probably 220 he's a thick dude so like he's not exactly easy to bring down if you get a hand on him it's not like you're going to knock him off balance also personally he's an extremely tough person if you just sit back and if you don't watch the ball if you just watch chase the amount of times he's gotten hit after the pass, like you know making a big play and getting absolutely drilled has not been great he has not had great offensive line play helping him this year he is an absolute gamer but the thing that stands out to me with chase is there's not a throw in the field. He cannot make. And he actually does a really good job of going. And I think probably as good as any quarterback we've had at surveying the field and making sure he's doing smart things with the ball. Does he miss passes sometimes? Like, does he miss an open person? Yes. But I think that's what's called being, you know, a human being and being a quarterback. We, every quarterback, Goes through that, but I think he's a really smart player. Um, He reminds me a lot of uh, Taylor Lamb, who was our quarterback coming into the FBS era, the bowl era, protects the ball, doesn't turn it over, tries to save yardage, you know, by throwing it out of bounds if if he has to. Smart player, makes all the throws. And a gamer, man, he's a great leader on that team. He has so much, he has the respect of that locker room, man, just kind of walks the walk. But not a throw he can't make on the field, man, he's a smart player and actually we talked about this too he can be an effective runner he's not he's not super quick but he's a big boy it's hard to bring him down once when he's in open space
2: all right now we move on to the backfield you have a stable of backs that have amassed 1900 yards this season cameron people's leads away with almost 600 yards and 5.9 yards of carry pretty impressive what makes the running game so potent for app
0: this year it hasn't been very potent, to be quite honest with you. This is the first year in what feels like since the Stone Age, that app state doesn't have a, a, a rusher for over a thousand yards. It's actually been very confusing. That, that's what I'm saying. Like app fans have been kind of scratching their head, like, why didn't we where's the domination at the offensive line? And we're playing with the same guys, by the way. It's not like, oh well, our left tackle and our right guard are out for the year. We're playing with backups. So what's happening? We had a flash in the second half against Georgia State last month um, where we exploded for 400 yards of rushing. But, man, it's like, it's like possession. It almost feels like snap to snap. We don't know what kind of push we're going to get at the offensive line this year. That has been, in my opinion, a really big reason why we've experienced, quite frankly, just mediocrity in a lot of games, not being able to finish. So much of App State success has been being able to put games away by controlling the line of scrimmage with that running game. We're going to milk the clock. We're going to chip away at you. We're going to wear your defense out. Which that, that's just that's the that's the game plan for App State. We're going to wear you out. We're going to control the clock. We're going to put it in the end zone, and then guess what? Our offense, our defense is going to be fresh. We're fast, and we're going to get back in the field. We're going to do it again. By us not being able to do that this year with inconsistent offensive line play, we have struggled. Coach Clark says it every week. Uh, we've got a stout run game, and we're not playing very well at, at doing that. So. Historically, yes, it is true. App State is run first, run heavy, you know, inside zone, outside zone team where kind of predictable, but execution has been on point where this year I think we're having trouble creating that push up front. And Cam Cam is strange, man. Like Cam, obviously like a, a super athletic guy, but you never know when he's going to play. And that's been very confusing and back in the day, I used to try to fish for, like, what's really going on and, like, well, you know, what's happening here or whatever. But now I just am like, look, I don't know. Sometimes he, he, he's hurt and he's not playing. I don't know why. That's been a, a, a source of great frustration, not, not mad at him, you know, or whatever, but it's like, man, it's kind of strange. And, um, and Nate Noel's been hurt. He got hurt in the UNC game. He's starting to come into his own a little bit. But, yeah, so the running game hasn't been that great this year. We want it to be.
2: On paper, 37th in the country in yards. But you say there's a 400-yard game in there. Yeah. That's going to skew the stats quite a bit. Yeah, uh, and, we,
0: and, and, so, and so we played two FCS teams, right? So we played, right. played Citadel and Robert Morris. But I'm telling you, go, go watch James Madison held us to under 100 yards rushing. Okay? Texas State held us to under 100 yards rushing. That's just not what we do. And we rushed really well against Texas A&M. So we've had these big games where we've, of course, won. But you look at the games where we're not winning and we are not able to run the ball. It, it, it's 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 not been been great. So, yeah, 37, thirty seventh in the country rushing yards. I totally believe that's what it says on paper. But if you if you watch the games where we have struggled, it has been not being able to run the game. That's where it's been inconsistent this year, where it hasn't really been in the past.
1: All right. Let's talk about the passing game a little bit. So Bryce seems to really spread the ball around to the receiving core. I think eight different receivers have double digits in catches. What should Monarch fans be looking for on Saturday?
0: You know, we're at the point now where, you know, if if you can't get the ball on the ground, then you have to force the defense to consider, hey, maybe they're going to do these, these quick passes to the outside and maybe take shots downfield to get it started to Maybe get the defense out from from stacking the box to make it a little easier for us to run the ball, which is what we ultimately want to do. We have some incredible weapons this year. Uh, I would say that the the most reliable in terms of like if you got to convert on a third down, um, Christian Horn has been really reliable. Kate Caden Robinson, number two, is a transfer from UCF. He's coming and made some huge huge plays this year. But I wouldn't say maybe that's a third down like running some slant over the middle I haven't run done too much of that with, with him necessarily Deshaun Davis has ability there's so many guys on that team that have ability I tell you one playmaker that can really burn a defense is Dalton Stroman Dalton Stroman is he's either 6 3 or 6 4 but he's got long arms big hands and he has made some outstanding catches touchdown catches this year and he he has become as the season has gone on a more and more of a of a favorite target of, of Chase Price. Also, we've been throwing to the tight ends a lot more this year. Henry Pearson, fifth-year senior, is is one of probably, you know, I'm a little biased because I know Henry a little bit, um, has been my favorite tight end to watch. Uh, he just – he's so – he's a great blocker, great teammate, great effort guy, but he also catched the ball. And uh, he scored that big touchdown against Texas A&M. He scored uh, Saturday against Marshall. He's somebody that that you have to account for in the passing game as well, that he's been chase, one of Chase's – favorite targets but the weapons are there um can these guys get enough separation to to be that threat to try to get the defense off the off the line I don't know I mean that's what we're gonna find out right but the the, the talent is there right at, 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 uh, on the outside and, and we've benefited from it in many ways well certainly
1: looks like they've got big playability you mentioned horn and stroman and they're both like 18 and a half yards per catch I mean yeah that that scares me a little bit
0: they're great players, man. They really are. They're really talented. Christian Horn, of course, is the guy that scored that Hail Mary catch. They had that design play where it was Dalton Stroman's job to go down, tip the ball. And it was, I mean that, that the way that Hail Mary was executed was how they practiced it. And so, like I said, like it, those, I've just seen Christian Horn make some tough contested catches. Several guys have, like I said, Caden Robinson has too. But Christian Horn has has really been, I. If I were to put my money down, probably the most reliable wideout this year.
2: Really good player. All right. So I'm kind of tenuous to move on the defense here because I don't know how reliable these stats are given the two FCS games and recent weeks. We, we know what you guys did to Texas A&M, that there's, this defense is capable. Nick Hampton is leading the way on sacks with seven on the season. You're 28th in the country in passing defense. But last week, a Marshall offense who has been struggling most of the season puts up 28. What can you tell us about this defense?
0: Man, we this has been – this is just it's – we've struggled on defense. And that, that really that, – that hurts me to say because when we made – I'm sorry to keep going back. I, I like history. And I like providing context for, like, how we have arrived. But when Nate Woody, who came in as Scott Siderfield's first defensive coordinator, came in and installed that 3-4 defense, paired with the strength coach we had at the time, we, we cultivated the perfect formula for Appalachian State football to play great defense. And that's being, that's being fast. That's being really, really physical. But above all, it's doing your job. And it's making those tackles, staying in your spot, playing your assignment. And f- really – really from the second half of 2014 all up until really this year, we have been a very good execution, stay in your position, play fast, tackle, be physical. And it kind of like, and I don't mean any disrespect to like the current players on there. I know some guys on, on, on that defense there. And I really, truly, honestly, mean no disrespect, but I think what you see on, on TV and, and what you can watch on film for yourself is not great tacklings here this, this not. And, and I think a lack of speed, if we are just being honest. And so Nick Hampton, as you, if you referenced Nick Hampton, Nick Hampton is going to get drafted. He's a great, great player on that. He's a great pass rusher. He's fast. He, he's just got the makeup and the size that pro teams want, but he's getting double teamed like constantly and he's still doing a good job. But even with that, we're struggling to get penetration. So, I mean, he's good. Our defensive backs – and it hurts me to say this. You don't understand. I have pain. I have pain in my heart saying this to you. Defensive backs have struggled this year a little bit. And, you know, it's just – it's been a different year, man. App app fans have had to get used to it. And we thought at first, at least I did, that, okay, defense is going to be maybe a little spotty this year, maybe a little inconsistent. We'll just have to rely on that big offensive line to continue doing what they did against Chapel Hill and Boone. And against Texas A&M at College Station, we'll just have to rely on that. But then, man, that didn't happen. So it's been a little frustrating. And Another thing is just to you – know, listen, let's just, let's just also factor this in. One of our outside linebackers, a very important leader in the locker room and on the field, Brendan Harrington, out for the year, outside linebacker. He would, he would have – he would change a lot of, of what's going on in the field right now. Trey Cobb, who's an, also a really outstanding inside linebacker for us, He's been hurt since Texas AM. He, I think he pulled his arm out of socket, I think, against Texas AM. And he just has not looked the same. He's playing hurt. He's putting it all out there for his teammates. So he just hasn't been the same. So we're playing with a lot of backups up there. App State typically is only as good as our front seven. And it's just, but we've been blessed with really great defensive backs. Um, but this year it's just been a little, little harder. We haven't had that depth, I think. On the defensive line, or or at linebacker. Oh, well, I was just say the whole thing. I mean, probably the, the most glaring issue would probably be defensive back, and maybe defensive line. But we're still not the same as we have been at linebacker either. So, I hate that I just said all that negative stuff. Still love those guys. Still pulling for. But I'm just kind of saying what
2: I'm saying. Well, the injuries on our offense should make the the app defense look a little bit better this weekend. <laughs> okay. All right. Hope yeah, so. we're we're hurting. We are beat. Like. Top tight end, out for the year. He was Uh going to be our top pass catcher. Our top receiver. Leading receiver in the country. At the time Uh when he got injured, out for the year. Wow. Um, Yeah. And then defensively, we have injuries all over the place. We've also lost a right tackle for the year. Um, I mean, we're just – the schedule we played, similar to App, without the FCS games. Because we played ECU, UVA, Virginia Tech, and Liberty. We haven't had a week off all season. Um, yeah, man, that that's that's rough. Yeah, yeah, our our guys are beat up. Circling back to
1: defense, should what should we expect to see, kind of defensive formation wise? And are there one or two notable defensive players that ODU fans should kind of focus on
0: when they're watching the game? I'm I'm the wrong guy to ask about formations and stuff. What you could see, what what I'll what I'll say is. The, the player to watch for on defense, I got to give a shout out. We, we have an NIL deal with Jordan Earl, our nose tackle, really great player. As you guys know, nose tackles don't always rack up the stats, right? They're there to cause havoc and and, and fill up a gap and, and see if they can command double double coverage to cause problems for that offensive line, and he does a really great job. Love the effort that Jordan has every single week. He's a really, really good player. And, by the way, just, I said all that. He's hilarious. He's one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. Just do, do a little, like, Instagram diving and – and check out – he made this video about a plunger because he – This a long story short. In 2019, Georgia Southern planted a flag at midfield when they beat us. And then in 2020, we go down to Statesboro. Jordan Earl brought a plunger down to the sideline. And someone took a plunger and put it at the, at the middle of the field at, in Statesboro. That's all Jordan Earl. He's just a really funny guy. Good player. Nick Hampton, number nine, is the other guy you should watch. He's going to command a double team. He's he's long, like he's, he's big, long, strong arms, and he's he's just a perfect pass rusher. He kind of looks like Demarcus Ware, if you guys remember in the NFL, played for the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos. Just a long guy, athletic. He's fast. The guy that I would have mentioned was would have been Trey Trey Cobb. He's he's out for the year. And another one, he was like a preseason, I think second all team, sunbelt or whatever. Stephen Jones, number six. But I would definitely put my eyes on number nine. That, that's somebody that you're, you'll see get drafted. Just from his – the metrics, his size, his speed, and the fact that he commands those double teams, Their scouts following him every game. So that's, that's someone I would definitely watch.
2: All right, Alex, special teams. It's a unit that ODU takes pride in, especially this season when not that many things are going right for us. We're near the top of the country in block kicks. We have one of the best punters in the country right now, Nathan Blayne. He has four nominations for Ray Guy, the punter of the week this year. We have some talent returning kicks, returning punts. What can you tell us about this app special teams unit and who we should be watching out for?
0: Well, you know, app. You know, we, we had a, a, a huge faux pas against Marshall, allowing a block kick in the end zone, gave up a touchdown. That was that was a big no no, right? But honestly, as you guys know, typically, if you're not talking about your special teams, your special teams are actually probably pretty good right? If you're not talking about like, Oh my gosh, here we go. Our punt coverage is terrible or here we go. Giving up all these. So I I think coach Haynes is a pretty good job because that's something that just isn't talked a lot about. Another thing that we don't talk a lot about is our kicker because Sean Clark goes for it on fourth down. So often there are very few times we kick field goals this year and, Far be it for me like to second guess a coach like who knows the game of football and I don't. But it'll be interesting to see even if Coach Clark looks at some of those decisions this year that didn't work out. Maybe going for for fourth down and it, whether or not we moving forward kick more. I don't know if it's just kind of a side item. Michael Hughes replaced a, a really talented kicker uh, in Chandler Staten from last year. He's he's pretty good. I mean, I, I don't know if he's missed any this year, but we really don't kick field goals, guys. I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing. Clayton Howell, our punter, does a pretty good job. We had, a, I think, a fifth or sixth-year Australian punter. for you know, Lefty, Xavier Zabotch, uh, Clayton Howell has replaced him. He does a pretty good job. I mean, you know, our coverage seems to be pretty good. I, I can't remember, but maybe a handful of times that our special teams have really, like, crapped the bed. We gave up an on, onside kick, return touchdown to Chapel Hill first year of the game. I'm the first game of the year rather at uh, Milan Tucker. Okay. So Milan Tucker took a touchdown back at Marshall this, this year, this past week. He's got a lot of speed, just a lot of energy, a lot of quickness. He, he played, I love the way Milan Tucker plays. By the way, in case anybody is wondering Milan Tucker's dad is Michael Tucker who played major league baseball. He was right fielder for the Royals and the Braves. I think he played for the giants for a bit too. Kind of an interesting little tidbit there, but, Milan's a pretty good returner. We were using Nate Noel, our starting run, running back back there at kick return, but it's usually been Milan. But overall, the App State special teams unit, they are non-offensive. They're not not—they're not bad. They're not scoring necessarily, but they've been pretty reliable. And and for me, if you're not talking about your special teams, then that means they're doing their job. You're not kidding. You guys have only attempted
1: five field goals in the whole year. Yeah. You're
0: right. Yeah.
1: But he, but he hadn't missed an extra point, 43 of 43. That's That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, here you go. Yep, that's right. Yep.
1: All right, so this game opened with a spread 14.5 points in App's favor. It's now moved to 16 points. Total opened to 52s, moved down 1 to 51. What's your take on how this game goes down?
0: Man, this is where, by the way, shout out to Charles Haynes. Congratulations to Clerk of Superior Court for the next four years of Watauga County. Shout out. This is Charles' wheelhouse. and like spreads and over-under and all this. How I think the game's going to go down, man, See, I when you ask me questions like that, like how do you think this game's going to play out? What's the score going to be over under 51 and a half or whatever you just said. I'm more of a guy it's like look, if if we could at least get off the field on third down with our defense, I think we're going to be able to do enough damage with our offense even if I assume that we're not going to move the ball very well on on the ground. I think I think we got a chance, but you don't know. You don't know until you're there and <laughs> it drives me crazy. Is it? How I'm have sorry?
1: you guys been how have you guys been on third down defense?
0: Terrible. <laughs> well, this should be a good matchup because we've
1: struggled a little bit on third down offense. So um, something has got to give this week.
0: Well, well, let me let me let me t- let me back out here for a second. I, on, uh, when we played Coastal Carolina on that Thursday night, we were terrible. We gave up 120 yards on third down. In the second half, Coastal converted three third downs of eight yards or more. Okay. I mean, that's unacceptable. That's why we lost the game at Marshall. I got to give the defense credit. There was that block punt touchdown that Marshall scored. And then that opening drive, they converted some long third downs, like the very first opening drive for Marshall. They scored those long third down conversions. And then after that, they really buttoned it up. And then the offense is what lost our game. But you just pointed out Marshall doesn't have a very good offense. So that's, that's been hugely beneficial to us. Um, in in that particular game. So, but no, we have not been reliable. The thing that has really, I talked to a lot of former players, have a lot of friends that, that played at at App State on that defensive side of the ball. They will always say to me, like, look, we have an execution problem. Guys might be in their position. They might be in the right spot, but we're not tackling. We're not, we're not doing the right things like in the moment during, during the play uh, to stop, to get off the field. So That that's the thing that's that's very frustrating is because you could say oh it's scheme and it's the fire the coaches but like if you got these players saying no no we're not executing to me that's that's like the great unknown like how do you know if these guys are going to execute how do you know we're going to button that up how do you know if the matchups honestly you know like football's a a really it's a game of matchups too how do we know we're going to match up well enough to to do that who's healthy I know I'm giving every excuse in the world to not answer your question but what I'll say. (laughs) is I've been through this too many times. Like, I just feel like this game we're getting ready to play, we've been through this, Charles and I, my co-host, where we've said, back's against the wall. We have to win this game. The guys are going to come out fired up. We're going to play well on, you know, we're going to block and blah, blah, And it, it doesn't happen, or it does happen on the other side of the ball. doesn't happen. So I will say this, though, to answer your question, Bradley, I think App State wins this game. It is senior day. At, at some point, this team does have to, you know, say, well, who are we? Who do we, How do we want to be remembered for 2022, the year that all these great things happened for App State? How do we want to be remembered? How do these seniors want to go out? I do think we'll win. We're hard to beat at home, although we did lose at home this year, which is a heartbreaker. I don't know a lot about ODU. You guys have kind of shed some light. That's been helpful. I think that that spread might be on the – yeah, that might be spot on of what I would say. I wouldn't certainly – would you say 16?
1: Yeah, sixteen points.
0: Sixteen. Okay, I wouldn't go more than that personally. With the way we've played, I don't know. I think I think that sounds fine. But again, like I'm probably the wrong person on the podcast to ask. That. Oh, I am the wrong person on the podcast to ask that. It's Charles' question. I think we'll win though. So I'm sorry for the lame answer.
2: I will say the public is heavy on Ultimate and the over. So, okay. And the public is not something you really want to bet with usually. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right. So, Alex, for the fans coming to Boone for the game, where are we eating and tailgating?
0: I'm going to throw some sponsors out here. The the coolest place to hang out in Boone, I'm not just saying this because they're a sponsor, because I have been a patron of theirs for years before they were ever a sponsor, is Boonshine Brewing Company. Just Google it. I mean, we're in an age where Boonshine Brewing Company, put it on Facebook, put it on the Googles, and you'll know where it is. Really awesome spot. It's probably going to be really busy, tell you the truth, on on game day or Friday or whatever. but worth the trip they have great beverages they have really tasty food a really good place to hang out just a cool looking cool looking spot uh that's not in downtown though. so you're going kind of driving on the little outskirts of of east boone there there are plenty of places and cool places to go downtown so if you park walk down king street several restaurants and and cool places very cool boone places to go for sure But one place, if you are, if you are walking down King Street, if you're, we're in Blowing Rock. There are two locations, a really cool spot because it's going to be cold this weekend, guys. The wind's not going to really be blowing, but it will be cold. Well, you know, knock on wood, right now it's the forecast is no wind or very little wind. Blue Deer Cookie, okay? So Blue Deer Cookie, uh, they're another sponsor, shout out. But like I said, I'm a big boy. I've been eating Blue Deer Cookie for a while before they were sponsors, okay? Really awesome spot.
1: it's a good thing that Mike and I are not going to be able to be down there because
0: <laughs> it might be trouble because we, we like to eat. There we go. That's, that's awesome. And I would highly, if you guys ever make the trip, I highly recommend it. Uh, full coffee bar. They sell ice cream sandwiches. They take their their cookies and like make these delicious ice cream sandwiches. I'm a huge fan. It's a really cool place. Like I said, downtown Boone, downtown Blowing Rock if you make the trip. So yeah, if you're going downtown, walking up and down King Street and just kind of taking Boone in. Even if you don't make it all the way up to Boonshine, then definitely make stop, get a hot drink and maybe a cookie at Blue Deer. That's a cool place. But lots lots of cool places downtown.
2: I'll tell you, I I looked into coming this year, and I tried finding a reasonable hotel price. (laughs) And it did not work out in my favor. So I ended up changing my mind and going with the UVA trip and doing a big there. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It is It is. I mean, Boone, the, the
0: demand to stay in Boone is so much higher than the capacity to, you know, for ho- with hotel rooms and, and everything else. It's, it's very expensive to stay, especially on a football weekend, man. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous.
2: All right, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show and teaching OD fans a little bit about App State football and Boone. We really appreciate it. Hope to talk with you again soon.
0: Absolutely, guys. I really appreciate the invite and I'm looking forward to a good matchup. I wish you the worst. I hate to say that. I wish you the worst, but best luck the rest of the way. Okay. Thank you.
2: All right. Right back at you. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.